The Old Testament reading for this morning is Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Fifty days ago it was. Fifty days ago we shouted that glorious proclamation as we celebrated the wonderful, magnificent resurrection of our Lord Jesus from the dead. In John chapter 12, Jesus predicts both his death and his resurrection, and he does it in terms of planting and harvest. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And we confess, of course, that our Lord Jesus suffered and died and was buried in the ground. He is that grain that he was talking about, the one that falling into the earth and dying. But if the seed is buried in the earth, then it sprouts and it bears much fruit. And Jesus is the first fruits of that harvest. Colossians chapter 1 says, He, that's Christ, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in everything he might be preeminent. And Pentecost is about that harvest. Now the Jews have been celebrating Pentecost long before this. They've been celebrating it since they came out of Egypt. Uh, God instituted the feast of Pentecost. The celebration of the Passover, that's right there at the uh, crucifixion and Easter, right? The celebration of the Passover was the beginning of the harvest and they were to bring the beginning fruits, the first fruits of the harvest into the temple as an offering to the Lord. And that first fruits offering coincided with Easter Sunday, Jesus' resurrection. The Feast of Pentecost celebrated the entire harvest, the, the bringing in of all of the fruits of the harvest. And this is why so many were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. They were there for that feast when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. In Jesus' teaching his disciples, in his suffering and death and resurrection, the foundation of the church is laid. And now today we celebrate that word going out, going out into the world and the harvest of souls being brought into the kingdom of God. And we have to note it is God who brings in the harvest. It is God who builds his house. We remember that Jesus before his death predicted the destruction of the temple, that house of God. It would not be a house of God, a house for God, any longer. God would rather dwell with his people, dwell in his people. And his people, you and I, make up the church. That's a house that God alone builds. The flood story in Genesis, in the two chapters, uh, 7 and 8, show uh, the result of man's corruption after the fall into sin. Things didn't get better. Things got a lot worse. And Noah preached to the people, it says, while he built the ark. But in the end, only Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives were saved. In the next chapter, in chapter 9, after the flood, God again gives a command to Noah, as he did to Adam and Eve. He says, fill the earth. But two chapters later, our reading from this morning, we find man ignoring God's command, looking not to fill the earth, but to congregate and remain in one place, to control their own destiny, to be gods unto themselves. In Genesis chapter 11, we see man looking not to honor God, not to worship God, but to make a name for themselves, to bring themselves honor. And I just think that's amazingly similar to our plight today, to, to society, the society that we live in that is preeminently disposed to making a name for itself. 
How often are goods and services marketed to us strictly for that reason? So that we can make a name for ourselves, to improve our standing in society. Have people look up to us and admire us. Have people wish that they were us. And this people who migrated from the east, they wanted the security of a city instead of looking to God for their protection and their well-being. They wanted, as we said, to make a name for themselves instead of honoring God's name. They were looking for a place to settle, a place to plant themselves. God had planted Adam and Eve in the garden. God had done the planting. But they will not be under God's rule. They will not be God's people. God had said, let us make. And here the people mirror his words. They act like God. Let us build. Let us make a name for ourselves. They will not take God's name for their own. And they again reject their creator. And they'll make for themselves their own name. And in order to do that, they want to build a city and a tower, it says. And this suggests that they were looking to build a great, large city with a high tower, towering into the heavens, it says. A fortified city. God planted the man in the garden for fellowship, but here they're building a city for defense. By means of a city, man is trying to make his own identity. Rather than being satisfied with being made by God, being named by Him, they want to make and name for themselves. They are fallen, sinful people who should be looking to God for grace and mercy. Instead, they're busy with their own plans and ideas and thoughts for greatness. Hallowed be our name is their cry. They desire their independence from God. They actually embody Psalm 12. Psalm 12 verse 4 says, Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Rather than calling on the name of the Lord, man proclaims his own name. Man imagines that God has forgotten that he has hidden his face, that he will never see it. He imagines that God is far away, that God is unconcerned with his daily activities. But the Lord came down. This is a turning point in that reading. The Lord came down. Though the sons of Adam are reaching for the heavens, the Lord comes down from heaven. Man is trying to reach heaven, but heaven met earth. That's an interesting phrase. God had come down before. He had come down to search for Adam and for Eve. God says here, come, let us go down. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are involved. Let us go down. Let us confuse their language. 
Man attempts to build a house, if you will, to gather himself together, to make a name for himself, to reach up to God in pride. But this house is not the house that God wants. It's not the house that God is going to build. Man's house is a monument to sin, to self, and that will bring him condemnation and death. God's house will be a monument to the Creator's love and will bring mercy and forgiveness and life. And so the Lord comes down. And we know the story as the, the Tower of Babel. And the word to us today, Babel, means confusion, like the languages that were confused. If somebody is babbling, then they are talking in a confused way or something, and we can't understand what they're trying to say. But in the Babylonian language, Babel meant gate of God was the unfinished city named Babel because here God came down and the people recognized it. The very next chapter of Genesis introduces Adam. It's an interesting progression. We go very quickly from Noah and the flood, God's command to multiply and fill the earth, to Babel, where they're trying to stay together and build a city and make a name for themselves, under God's condemnation, really, and then Abraham and the beginning, again, of God's fulfillment of his promise of salvation. The book of Hebrews says that Abraham was not looking to build a city, but that he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. That's Hebrews 11.10. God is the builder of the house. And the house is the church. And God builds this house by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that in our reading today. God spoke in that Genesis day and scattered the people over the world. But he is the one who speaks in order to gather. He will unite heaven and earth according to his great plan of salvation for mankind. And Ephesians chapter 1 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, things in heaven and things on earth. And so the word became clay. He took on our flesh. He took on the flesh of Adam the flesh of prideful people in our reading, the very flesh that you and I have, the Word became clay. He came down. And the word Adam has an interesting meaning. We call Adam, Adam, because in Hebrew, the word is Adamah, 
and it means ground. The ground that Adam was made from. Ground, earth, is Adama. And so we have Adam. Christ takes on the Adama, takes on the clay, and in so doing joins heaven and earth. The Son of God joined himself to the sons of earth. And with this clay, the clay of the only begotten Son of God, God would build himself a house. And God sends down the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. He sends the Spirit in the name of Jesus, our text says. And the Holy Spirit softens the hard clay of our hearts through the waters of baptism. And God breathes into our death-filled clay so that what was once dead in trespasses and sins is now alive, forgiven, and a child of heaven. The house that God builds, this holy Christian church, is created in Christ Jesus after the image of God. It's created in true righteousness and holiness and innocence and blessedness. Paul says in Ephesians 4, where the good news of Jesus Christ is preached, there is a renewal, a cleansing. And where the good news of Christ is preached, where baptism and communion are administered, there the church is. And you and I have been built into that holy church like living stones because your sin and my sin is forgiven. And God has breathed his life into us and has marked us with his name. And 1 Peter chapter 2 says, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, Jesus was that living stone rejected by men. But in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. At Babel, God scattered the people by confusing their languages, but at Pentecost, God 
gathers through the Holy Spirit, gathers the people once again. As the apostles are able to speak other languages, notice they're not just babbling. They're not speaking words that nobody can understand, but people are hearing them in their own language. And it's, it's this picture of God pushing the gospel out to the whole world to be inclusive of all people because that's who this is for. All people. He wants to gather all people to himself. And he has gathered you into his church, built that church on the rock of Jesus Christ. And God uses for this pushing out of the gospel, he uses people, jars of clay, imperfect clay, imperfect people, but vessels made holy by the blood of Jesus, pushing us out to proclaim to the world, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family, to proclaim the gate of heaven, to proclaim how it is that we are united with God because God has united himself to us. The prophet Joel foretold the coming of this day of Pentecost when would begin, as it were, the full harvest of God's kingdom. And Peter quotes from this prophet of God saying that in the last days God would pour out his spirit on all flesh and it shall come to pass that in that day all who call upon the day on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every house has a builder and the builder of the church of God, the house that endures into eternity, that builder is God. And it's a house that is glorious to behold. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.